This tech edition of Industry Focus is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in super warm and hot and sunny Alexandria, Virginia. To my left is the incomparable Dylan Lewis. How are you today, sir? Doing all right, Sean. Super warm and muggy. I have no intention of stepping outside of our building today. No, I'm glad I brought lunch. Um, and uh, if you're just joining us, that was not a joke. We are actually filmed in front of a live studio audience today. We are joined by Motley Fool intern Jake. How are you? Give us a wave. How you doing, man? Well, he can't. We can't hear him. Well, yeah, he's behind the sound. I don't know, but we could. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyways, we swear he waved. <laughs> um, but uh, he'll be editing articles and uh, learning all about uh, foolishness here for the next couple of months, and probably joining us on the podcast at some point. Yeah, we hope maybe next week. Jake, thumbs up. Good stuff. Yeah, right. Awesome. Um, now go get me Starbucks. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm not that mean. Um, I'm watching Jake drink his Starbucks right now. Anyway. Uh, so, big news out of Twitter, Dylan. Yeah, yesterday, uh, Dick Costolo, uh, Twitter's embattled CEO, uh, announced he was stepping down. I uh, I actually read about that via Twitter, by the way, fun fact. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> was this necessary, do you think? I don't know if it was necessary. Uh, it wasn't surprising. Yeah. You know, I, I think there was uh, some writing on the wall for a while. Um, you know, you look at the public communication that Twitter's given out since the announcement, and it seems like uh, De Costello's departure was not tied to any external event, and it was something that he'd approached them about uh, some time ago, maybe uh, late last year, something like that. So, Leaving for personal reasons. Yeah, so uh, that's what was announced. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you look at some of the stuff going on, on Twitter. Like, I was surprised. He had an 88% approval rating on Glassdoor. I know that in the market's eye, he's not exactly, like, the greatest Yeah, CEO. I just pulled up the stock chart. It's not, I mean... It's vacillated between the low thirties and fifty bucks, and now it's at thirty six. So, yeah. Um, obviously, Twitter is trying to find its way. Um, do we know anything about what they're talking about for the CEO replacement at all? Yeah. So, contingency plan right now, Jack Dorsey, uh, who's a co-founder of the company, a chairman currently, is going to serve as the interim CEO. Um, they're going to have a board search for a permanent successor. Uh, just some background on Dorsey. Uh, he was previously the CEO and was forced out um, and then replaced by the other co-founder, Evan Williams, uh, in 2008. And then... Uh, we should draw a chart of all this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Costello came on, became CEO, and uh, Dorsey was uh, executive chairman. Fantastic. So uh, the rumor is uh, Adam Bain, the company's president of revenue and partnerships, has been mentioned as a possible successor. Uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, do we do we know anything about uh, Costello's golden parachute or anything? Are they just going to give him a hundred million dollars to go away? Yeah, <laughs> uh, nothing announced yet, um, and nothing in the financial disclosures that were related to the announcement. Before we uh, uh, came down to the studio here, I hopped on uh, S and P Capital IQ and I just looked at the uh, cash flow statements of both uh, Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they could give this guy fifty million dollars in stock, and it wouldn't be a problem as a golden parachute because these companies spend billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars a year on stock based companies. It's not an actual cash cost immediately, but it's an economic cost, and it eventually happens to the shareholders. So we shall see. Yeah, I think that's something that warrants an entire show at some point down the yeah, road. Yeah, just like 
guess what your company's spending on stock-based compensation? <laughs> if, if we ever hit a week that tech decides to not have anything huge happen, we'll, right. we'll get to that. If nothing crazy happens, yeah. Um, so uh, looking at some of the other reasons and just some of the pressure involved uh, with the decision, I think, uh, you know, I said before, Castillo is kind of this embattled CEO, and uh, he's been struggling. Like, you talked a little bit about financial metrics, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that uh, he was being canceled for was the struggling user growth. Um, and, you know, you look back to Q4 2013, they had a uh, year-over-year growth of about 30% uh, for comps. And Q1 2015, it's been 19, and that's been just precipitously falling. So yeah. um, you can see kind of directionally where that's going. And, you know, obviously, as your denominator gets larger with MAUs, it gets harder to grow, and that's it gets fine. harder to grow. But, you know, you, that's an easier easier thing to say when you're at Facebook levels of like $1.4 billion, when you're at... 300 million. Yeah. It's a little different. So uh, we'll get to this in a minute, just Twitter's financial metrics compared to uh, the the white elephant in the room, which is Facebook. But do you think that if active user growth was continuing at you know, 25, 30%, um, but they weren't making the money yet, that he would be having to leave? Um, I think the street's opinion of the company would be dramatically different. Okay. I don't, I don't know if it's, it, uh, it's an indictment on Costello necessarily, but... Um, you know, I think we know Wall Street is very willing to accept less glamorous financials if they see these very savory right. growth rates. Hence and why Snapchat's valued at $15 billion and it makes zero dollars. Yeah. User growth, user growth, user growth. <laughs> Don't worry about how to monetize it. Um, or we'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like they've been public for a decent amount of time now. And um, they, you're starting to see user growth taper off. And, and that's the point where Wall Street says, okay, show us the money. Where's the money? Like, yeah. you know, they stick their hand out. And so. Um, I think that definitely has a, a big part of it. Yeah. I it's kind of interesting to me also. Um, so according to what you got here, uh, monthly active users are just over 300 million. And that's globally. As I understand, it's only about 50 or 60 here in the United States. Yeah. I think the U.S. is about a fifth of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Facebook is 1.3 billion. Yeah, 1.3, 1.4. Why are they already slowing down? Like, shouldn't everybody on the planet have a Twitter just to follow Taylor Swift and whatever? Like, <laughs> yeah, and that's I, why I joined. I don't know about you, but yeah, and I think uh, I think that question gets to a lot of the issues currently with Twitter. Um, and you know, Jake did an awesome job kind of briefing us for this. Uh, but uh, Chris Saka, who is uh, a really early investor in Twitter and one of its current uh, biggest investors. Uh, wrote this like eight thousand word opus that basically was outlining some of the issues. He are, couldn't tweet it, obviously. <laughs> no, no. Although he could, uh, I guess, direct message it. Yeah, that that's we're, right. We're finding that out did now. just come out. Yeah, yeah. They they uh, they took the cap off of that. But um, basically, like he was talking about how it is this um, kind of disjointed platform. It's something that's really targeted towards the super users and you know the people that have a lot of clout and a lot of followers. And it isn't as tailored for uh, the every user, you know, and it's this uh, kind of alienating experience right now. And um, so on the UI side or the UE side, like that's what's going on. And then from the business perspective and what they're communicating to Wall Street, it's kind of all over the place. You know, there isn't a clear, confident vision. And that's that's obviously going to scare people. Yeah. So um, I pulled up uh, real quick your Twitter and Facebook just to give everybody some perspective. There, free cash flow, gap earnings, and active users. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, I apologize. I'm just going to 
talk slowly and give the numbers and everything. <laughs> but um, Twitter's free cash flow 2012 was 70, negative 78.5 million, 2013 negative 74. And then last year, um, technically making more revenues, but last year in 2014, negative 119.8 million dollars in free cash flow. Gap earnings were even worse last year. They lost on a gap basis 577 million. Um, that's that stock-based compensation we were talking about, hmm. and the whole time, you know, they're losing more money, but their active users, 2012 was 185 million, and now we're at you know 300. Yeah. So their active users have doubled, but not making any more. In fact, we're losing more. Yeah. Um, and I looked at their capital expenditures, and it's mostly just more data centers. Like there's, they're building data centers to support all these users, but they're not making any money. Yeah. Um, compare that to Facebook. I mean. Good lord! Free cash flow in 2012, 377 million. Last year, 3.62 billion. Gap earnings last year, 2.94 billion. Up from uh, this had a bunch of charges that were weird, but 53 million in 2012 and uh, 1.5 billion in 2013. Active users, 2012, just over a billion. Last year, 1.39 billion. And this gets back to what we talked about in a previous show, where I was like, Facebook knows everything about us, so of course they can sell better ads. Yeah. Twitter is just kind of a news service right now. It's a news service, but I think there's enough data there to make things happen. You so know? they know whether I live in D.C., they know blank, 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 like yeah. what? I mean, so like you talk about the uh, the classic Facebook example of like... Uh, the t-shirt? Former Ohio resident living in Virginia. Staggering. Like, yeah. They had the Ohio State flag in the shape of Virginia. I'm like, oh, uh, this is too much. <laughs> that, that, that market's like 150 people and they yeah. found you. Um, and I think, I don't know if it's going to get that granular with what you can target on Twitter, but you look at the sources that people follow and... You know, like that's when you're talking about what marketers build on uh, like a profile basis. I mean, like that's it. You know, right. and and that's they would love to have that kind of data for TV shows and stuff. So I think uh, to be able to have it and have uh, customers explicitly telling you what they're interested in, what so they still, know, there's still value there. I don't know if it's as good as what you're getting on Facebook. But. Yeah. So you're saying like that Twitter knows that I follow Forbes and the Motley Fool and. I don't know, pick a person, Taylor Swift or something. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Taylor Swift's imminent financial advice site. Right. You'd be the customer. What Taylor Swift <laughs> has in her 401k. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was most surprised about uh, reading Chris Saka's um, opus was that there are almost 1 billion users that have tried Twitter and left it. That's staggering. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at. What, what are all these people? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a huge issue. And so the big things for them, I think, looking at the user side of the issue, is getting people to stay in the platform once they're on the platform and figuring out a way to monetize the logged out users that are visiting the site right now. And so, um, you know, some of the stuff that they uh, that was outlined in that paper, uh, looking at building engagement was uh, kind of prompting people a little bit more and getting them to interact with the platform more. And so, um, you know, Chris Saka had outlined some ideas like nudges, um, some, like, what do you think about this kind of things, getting people to interact with uh, trending articles, things like that, and building up a conversation, making it more of um, kind of like a public square kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of there there. You know, I, I think that yeah. that's the best way to get people onto a platform and keep them there is to get them engaged and interacting with it. Can I ask um, how and when, just broadly, you became a Twitter user? Uh, I became a Twitter user like three years ago. And I think I've been kind of in and out of it here and there, obviously. Um, working in media more recently. Right. Uh, I've been more active on it. But. Well, and that's how they, I, I joined, what, 
six months ago or something, and my handle's TMF. Like, I got it for work, basically, so I could follow the articles that our writers are putting out, Forbes, just know what's going on in the world. Um, I don't know that I would have joined had I not, you know, come on board The Fool about, you know, a little over a year and a half ago. Um, and that compares with Facebook. I mean, they got me. I was part of that second wave rollout, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the movie The Social Network when they break out of the Ivies. I was like part of the <laughs> second wave. And was, that was the, what they call it, the little bighorn yeah. approach? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, Facebook had this huge organic growth and now I use it to follow the people I went to college with. And now my parents use it to look photos of my son. Like they've kind of got me. Yeah. So I don't know. It's almost like Twitter needs to get some kind of organic hook, like, I don't know, getting. All of Silicon, I, I don't know, so just something kind of more organic than, oh, I want to follow Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess that's, that's what a lot of these initiatives that have been laid out um, are kind of getting at. And Yeah, do you have an idea of what the next CEO is going to try to do? I don't know. Uh, I think it's hard to tell. I mean, these are obviously going to be the focus. It's just going to be a matter of how they choose to address them. I think uh, Chris Saka's paper here is an excellent blueprint for them to follow. Um, looking at some other things that might help down the line, um, obviously the Google deal they set up recently is going to hopefully be big. Um, so, you know, earlier this Putting year... Putting tweets in searches. Yeah. And so uh, earlier, uh, first half this year, um, tweets are going to start uh, being visible in Google search results as soon as they're posted. So uh, Google's going to have access to... Twitter's. I somehow feel this is going to ruin my Google searches. Yeah. It's, it's interesting... Something that's going to be kind of interesting to check out is how loaded with um, populated content Google searches are going to be. Because, you know, they start, they currently pull in, like, Wikipedia auto answers if they can. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it, how much are they going to load up before you get to that first search result? Uh, so that, what, That'll be something to check out down the road. Yeah. What's, uh, what's up with Periscope here? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to know exactly where they're at in terms of adoption. Um, back in April, uh, Twitter announced that the app had 1 million downloads in the first 10 days, which is obviously very encouraging. Um, there haven't been any updates uh, that I've seen on user count yet, but they've been pretty aggressive with rolling out updates. I know like one of the big things they did in late May was making an Android version available, um, You know, which obviously opens them up to a much larger user base um, globally. And so you know that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, they're also, I think, early June. They rolled out a world map featuring um, like all these, you know, specific hubs and allowing users to uh, tap into live feeds from those locations. So you're kind of you're leveraging the cool factor of, yeah. of you know live streaming things out. And uh, you know, I hate to relate it back to something that we just criticized with Twitter, but like this plays so well into the breaking news side yeah. of the of the platform. Yeah. Very good. So, uh, what are your final thoughts? If I'm a shareholder, what should I be thinking? Because yeah, I'm uh, not loving these cash flow numbers. Yeah, uh, I'm not a Twitter shareholder personally. I'm a Twitter, you know, Twitter user, and I love it. Um, I think, like I said, the uh, the Chris Saka letter really serves as a great blueprint for them to follow moving forward. Um, I'm not overjoyed by Dick Costolo's leaving, you know, as as the market might have been. You know, uh, you look at the reaction, it was up like 5% yeah, after yesterday. hours yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's something to watch. I think the, the big thing that they're going to have to do is uh, continue to grow their user base uh, for me to be confident with them. Because right now, you're seeing them stall there and... Uh, it gives me concerns because the monetization efforts just haven't really worked out. Very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts. Yep. Have a good one.
And that is it for us, fools. But before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for all of our industry-focused listeners. It is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock uh, recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy, se- buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!